You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, uh, September 22nd. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always, the most Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you'd like for more Padres live tweeting and stuff, Follow me at, at LO underscore Padres. If you want to see whatever my fit is, how my hair be looking, my crazy hair, you could check that out on Lockdown Padres, the YouTube channel. Just type in Lockdown Padres, you'll find it. Just as easy as that. I enjoy all of you who send me comments on the YouTube too. Uh, I, I don't know why. There's just something about YouTube comments that are like a different breed. You know? It's, it's hard to explain. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for making Lockdown Padres your... Potentially first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. I say potentially first listen because I waited to do today's episode because we had the Cardinals game, last game of the three games set, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about that as well as the past two games in which the Padres actually won, and there was actually some cool stuff to talk about here. I actually thought that this series could go really poorly, and perhaps that is simply due to the fact that last year's series against the Cardinals went so poorly at this time of the year, right? The Padres were falling apart, and then they they beat the Astros. It was like three out of four that they took against the Astros, and the Astros are a great team. And then you face the Cardinals, who are hot off their you know, winning streak and whatnot, and you say, well, if you beat the Cardinals, you can you basically will have a chance, you know, and you'll catch up to them for that last wildcard spot. And then they got swept. You had the Tatis versus Machado fight. So maybe in my head, I was just like, I'm very scared that this series won't go very well. Uh, you guys can check out the preview of the series that I did with my boy JD the other day, if you'd like. But the series went basically how the winning strategy has been for the Padres all year, which is a lot of their best players carrying them in the lineup. And then dynamic electric starts from their starting rotation. Let's talk about the game that didn't go their way first, though. And that was yesterday's game. They lost by a score of 5-4. And the big thing in this game is that, you know, you would think Joe Musgrove. Oh, did he did he have another poor start? He actually really didn't. I actually pointed out yesterday that heading into the start, Joe Musgrove's hard hit rate uh, was pretty good. Uh, the second best in Major League Baseball in the second half, in fact. And I thought that that was interesting because it just shows you that people aren't necessarily hitting him uh, super hard. And I'm actually going to check the old Savant just to confirm this. But I think that Musgrove, that's been the big thing with him, is that he's been giving up some hits and giving up some untimely, like really poorly timed home runs. But I think that for the most part, he's still been pretty effective. And in this game, he still did pretty well. Five innings, only one earned run. He walked two and struck out four. Don't get me wrong, as some people were pointing out to me on the old Twitter sphere, he did have a little bit of the Babip, 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 Babip luck. There were some balls that maybe should have gotten through. Uh, I don't think he necessarily looked elite or dynamic uh, in yesterday's, or I should say today's start, but I was still a little bit surprised because it is still Joe Musgrove, and they pulled him out with only 72 pitches. Now, let me let me emphasize yet again that I get it. Sometimes you just want to... You know, sometimes you want to conserve your bullpen for the upcoming series against, say, um, who is it? Who the heck is it that we're playing next? I'm trying to remember. 
I can't remember. Who were you playing next? The, the Rockies. Maybe you want to save them. I mean, there were some some big, uh, really hard-hit balls. Goldschmidt had a hard-hit ball that ended up being a, a double play. It was the hardest, second-hardest-hit ball of the day. Uh, Arenado. You know, it's just... I still was a little bit surprised after five innings. Maybe six, I can understand. But five innings, 72 pitches in a game that really matters. And especially with a bullpen that's really weird. I didn't totally get it. Even if he didn't look dynamic um, in the game. And it turns out that maybe that suspicion was true. Because Nick Martinez, who I have defended uh, a lot of this year. Because I think that for what he is, he's been fairly fine and effective. Um, as this kind of Swiss Army man reliever who could occasionally be a starter if you ever needed him to be. Uh, he gives up the big hits in this game. Some of those runs are charged for Adrian Morejon, and they should be. Morejon has not been nearly the pitcher that I think we wanted him to be, or at least what I told listeners that he was going to be, right? I thought that he was going to be a strikeout guy. I thought he had some potential, but 4.6 ERA now, not the best for him. Two of the runs charged him, and then two of the runs charged Nick Martinez after a grand slam to Brendan Donovan, his first grand slam uh, off of Nick Martinez on a hanging curveball, man. It was ugh, blech. very, very poor, uh, especially considering that he started off the count 3-0. Just not right. I know it's a tough situation to be in. Martinez is not the type of pitcher that you want to put in a situation, in my opinion, or should expect to excel when there's already some men on base, right? Because he tends to have some ground ball stuff, some pop outs, you know, he's not necessarily a strikeout, you know, overpowering you uh, type of pitcher that we're hoping that say a Josh Hader can become say a, even a Pierce Johnson every now and then uh, Tim Hill from last year. <laughs> no, seriously, Tim Hill from last year was, was rad. I don't know what it was with last year's Tim Hill. Um, you know, it makes me wonder a little bit like, where's Nabil Krismet? I don't, I still don't understand why they demoted him for that time. Uh, that was really odd, and I still don't understand that move by the Padres. Their decisions on who to promote and demote have been quite odd this year um, for for a variety of reasons. First of all, they get rid of Trace Thompson. He goes back to the Dodgers and has got like a 900 OPS, so, you know. But that, as well as, I want to mention Luis Campizano. He gets a start in this game. He goes one for four with an RBI, which is cool. But it should be mentioned that I've talked about um, what's it called my my frustration with the Padres not playing Luis Campizano more. I do want to say that I actually am more frustrated that Ho- Jose Azokar, who's been awesome ever since they started putting him basically in the starting role, I'm more upset by him not being uh, in the lineup more often than I am upset about Campizano. And the reason for that is because I think it it might be fair to say. The Padres have decided their best thing about their team is their starting pitching. They've got Clev, who can sometimes be good, and then you've got Snell, Darvish, Musgrove. That's a three-headed behemoth that a lot of teams definitely don't want to see uh, if they had their choice, right? They would rather not see that team right now. I can understand if the Padres are saying, you know what, Campisano's defense needs some work, and since it's this late in the year, we don't want to throw off our pitchers, even if Campisano very clearly has higher upside at the plate in terms of his bat. What I don't understand is why they waited so long, right? I think that Luis Campuzano should have been called up a lot earlier. But if your thing is right now, uh, it's a little bit late to make him this full-time starter. I kind of get that. But even still, you've seen, given the opportunities, ever since they called him up again, 7 for 19, uh, like he's been really good uh, and really effective. And it's like, give him a second. 
He went one for 12 this year when he first got called up. That's not enough of a sample size to be out on who was now officially the top prospect left in your system following the Juan Soto trade. Soto, by the way, in this game, uh, unfortunately doesn't come through. Uh, one for 0 for 3 with a walk and a strikeout. Machado does have a nice home run in this game with two walks and a stolen base because he's Manny, and Manny does Manny things. And we're certainly going to be talking about him a little bit more, everybody, for this episode. But before we talk about that, you know, guys, remember that first half of last year? Remember 2020? Remember when winning felt easy? Well, the, you know, just in general, actually, remember when winning felt easy? That's because when you were younger, you were at the peak of your testosterone production. What some have called the winner's hormone, or the man hormone. Uh, wouldn't it be nice to get that winner's edge again and that old swagger back in your step? I got my swagger back, to quote my boy uh, Jay-Z from, what's the song called? I forgot what it is. It's the one with Kanye. Otis? I think it's Otis, right? All right, anyway. Uh, if you want more energy, guys, to counter the negative effects of aging, Nugenics Total Testosterone Booster with Testofen will help you turn back the clock. Testofen, I should say, actually. I pronounced it wrong. See? My brain is deteriorating. It's atrophying. I can't even pronounce things correctly anymore, man. It's tough out here, right? It really is. <laughs> But anyway, uh, Testofen can help you out, guys. Nugenics Total Tea contains boosting ingredients. Um, it has been validated in five critical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. And it's really cool. While every product professes quality, many other products use generic kind of ingredients that are often less than clinical grade with Nugenics Total Tea, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials and Nugenics's formulation is backed by 10 years of science and research. Gotta trust the science, ladies and gentlemen. Nugenics Total Tea is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. It can help you re-energize your life, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you want the energy boost, man? Check it out, everybody. Now, just because you're listening to this podcast, guess what? You can get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text MLB. Yeah, I know. Really easy code to remember. MLB to 231231 when you text that, guys. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerate ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Remember that is text MLB to 231231. MLB, 231231. Message and data rates apply. Let's talk about the good games, though, guys. Because you, you know me on this podcast. We got to get the the bad out of the way. And then we get to celebrate. We get to have a fiesta. <laughs> Where's that from? A fiesta. I forgot. Is it Puss in Boots and Shrek 2? Something like that. We are having a fiesta. Uh, anyway, let's talk about yesterday's game. Uh, that was very, very good. Ladies and gentlemen, that is because the Blake Snellzilla made an appearance and boy, did the Padres need it because Miles Michaelis, who I talked with, uh, with my boy, JD, uh, had been really struggling uh, for Miles Michaelis, not necessarily the pitcher that the Cardinals fans want to see come up. Uh, in his last couple starts, he gave up three runs, four runs. Before that, 4-3, he gave up 10 runs against Colorado uh, about a month ago, which was wild. I remember seeing those alerts on my phone um, when Rockies hitters were just teeing off. Um, but in this game, no earned runs for him, right? Instead, 
the Padres had to had to crawl their way, you know what I mean? <laughs> Scavenge their way to get their one run of the game, which came from an Arsenal single, believe it or not, who I just was making fun of before because I want Capizano to play more, allowing Hassan Kim to score, which is very cool. Again, the small ball Padres, that's what they've been doing all year is scrounging up runs. They're not a well rounded offense usually it's very much been carried by Machado you have Hassan Kim who's improved a little bit this year and then you're hoping that Juan Soto can really pick things up and you're hoping that Jerickson Profar can after having a really nightmarish sort of second half can kind of uh improve things a bit and I actually forgot to mention he did hit a home run uh to start off the game uh in yesterday's game so that was kind of cool but uh that's not the story ladies and gentlemen seven innings Donut for earned runs. Two hits allowed by Mr. Blake Snell. And 13 strikeouts, 117 pitches for the boy. Uh, Just a phenomenal performance by Blake Snell. He generated 29 whiffs uh, in the game, which was very, very impressive. 15 of them coming on his slider. And don't get me wrong. The Cardinals are a team that is a very good offense. Don't get me wrong. Hmm. But for a large majority of the season, I think some of their stats as an offense were could have been even better because, remember, they had a lot of players in that lineup that really struggled early on, from Dylan Carlson to, um, what's-his-face, Tyler O'Neill to Harrison Bader, you know, who ends up going on the IL. They had a lot of injuries, uh, the Cardinals. And then they have, they've had Pujols, and obviously with Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, who are currently among the leaders in F4, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just actually pull that up really quickly. Um, yeah, Paul Goldschmidt is second in Major League Baseball in F4. He has a 7. And then Nolan Arado is third with a 6.9. If you're curious, our boy Manny Machado is behind Freddie Freeman and Francisco Lindor. He's sixth. Uh, a big part of that is because Francisco Lindor's defense, uh, defensive statistics are really, really sublime. Uh, so that's been a big reason why he's been up there. Uh, but... You know, basically, this is all to say that they're a pretty good team, but they do chase pitches. Uh, I will say they are not necessarily a team out there that is very patient at the plate. They make up for it because when they do make contact, it's going out of the yard, uh, which is very big. But even still, uh, that's all to say again that this is a very impressive um, start for Mr. Blake Snow. Uh, you love to see it. He went deep into the game. I put out today on Twitter a picture of him as Godzilla uh, because he is the Snellzilla ever since. The second half, ladies and gentlemen, he has a 2.42 ERA, which is tied for the 14th best in baseball. That might not impress you. It's still pretty good, though. 14th best, tied for the 14th best in baseball. But his FIP, field independent pitching, third, 2.06 among all pitchers in the second half. 2.54 XFIP is second among all pitchers in the second half. His 34.4 strikeout percentage is third among all pitchers in the second half, and his 15.5 swinging strike percentage is first in Major League Baseball, and his 2.5 total F4 is tied for second. He has been phenomenal, um, and I was dead wrong. I really did think, I and I, I was wrong, but I think wrong justifiably, if that makes sense. Heading into this year, I was a little bit bullish on Blake Snow. I thought that you saw the fastball-slider combo that he focused more on last year towards the end of the season, and he was a strikeout king. He was doing great stuff, even if not lasting super long into games, wasn't giving up too many runs at all, and he was striking out a lot. So I thought if he keeps whatever was going right at the end of last year, 
plus the addition of Ruben Niebla, who's been a, a, a pitching whisperer for Cleveland for years, who then becomes the pitching coach for the Padres, right? You lose Larry Rothschild, who was just getting obliterated by Padres fans last year. And I thought this has the makings of a true bounce back season, or at least a bounce back season in a way that you won't be a, a liability for the team, right? And he has been that, but it happened more later on. And I think that I jumped too quickly. Maybe he was still recovering from the injury that he suffered heading into the year, but Snell has been just phenomenal. And to be quite honest with you, it, he's probably the number two starter for the team in the playoffs. We have to see. It wouldn't surprise me any way that they go, to be honest with you. They might still trust Musgrove because he is the San Diego guy. He seems to be the heart and soul of the team. But then you've got you Darvish, who's just been a star in this league for so long. And he is just super, super consistent. Um, and I've talked about before that maybe in a one-game wild card, there's the possibility that they'd say, uh, you know what, don't want to do this because you Darvish does tend to get tagged early on in the games and maybe you don't want to risk uh, getting tagged for too many runs early on in the game. But considering that the playoffs right now, that Philly has been falling apart so much, uh, the Padres, they can get that second wild card. So that'd be great. So everybody, remember, we're rooting against the Phillies and the Brewers. Phillies and the Brewers. I prefer, if I had to face one of those two teams, I'd face the Brewers because I want to squash them into oblivion. Uh, because the Brewers will only score like two runs in a series. That's what's going to happen. And Corbin Burns has been really rough, so... That team is whatever. But the Phillies, I know they've been looking poorly, and they're not a well-rounded team, especially defensively, but they feel very Atlanta last year to me, and I know that's an overused descriptor. It's overused analysis. I know I get that. But man, ladies and gentlemen, I just I just feel like Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, even Ranger Suarez, you get Harper back in the lineup. They've got some dynamite bats there, man. I know Nick Castellanos was kind of a bust for them, but... I don't know. I really feel like that's a dangerous team. Look out for them. I could be dead wrong, but look out for them. Um, but yeah, that's basically all to say about this game. A dynamite performance from Blake Snell. And Josh Hader gets the save. Gets a little bit lucky, though. Thankfully, Juan Soto makes a diving catch at the beginning of the inning for the first out. That was awesome. My friend was actually at the game um, and said everybody was just lit. Like They were out of their minds. They were so happy. They still love him. Uh, so much, Mr. Juan Soto. And hopefully his defense can improve and the bat can improve um, because we need him. We absolutely need him. But before we talk about the last game, the last game of celebration, ladies and gentlemen, on this old Thursday podcast, just kidding. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to do no ad read. We don't do, we don't do nothing except for the audio listeners. You got a little bit of an ad just now. But, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dr. Oh, yeah, Dr. Oh, 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 oh. Tuesday's game to start off the series after, you know, the, the Padres, they said, oh, man, the, are we sure we can beat this team? Because the last time the Padres played the Cardinals, if I am not mistaken, folks, and as you know, I have never been mistaken. Not once. It, it's true. Tell the newspapers to look it up. I've never been wrong. Not once. I'm looking it up as we speak. <laughs> The last time the Padres played the Cardinals, they got swept, and it was pretty bad. They got swept, and then they promptly uh, beat the Brewers three out of four. I remember that was the Jake Cronenworth-Grisham game. I think Machado hit that big, huge home run, like the first at-bat of that game or something like that. That was wild. I forgot why that home run was so lit to begin with, but it was awesome. Anyway, so in this game... 
the Padres ends up winning five to nothing. That's right. They tag Adam Wainwright, Adam Wainwright for four runs. Their guy, their anchor, their heart and soul of the team. Six hits, four earned runs. He just wasn't generating any misses. Um, and while he didn't get look, if that's a that is look, Adam, Adam Wainwright's like forty nine years old. For you to have that be your bad start, it still wasn't even all that bad. You know what I mean? At least he wasn't getting blown up. Um, but still, the Padres definitely jumped on him in this game. It was great to see. Thanks to a Jake Cronenworth single. Hassan Kim gets a home run in this game. Love that dude. Machado drives one in. And Juan Soto gets an RBI in this game. And you just love to see that. You love to see that. Manny going two for four, two for three from Soto, one for three from Profar. That's kind of what you need to hope for uh, for this lineup. And uh, Jay Cronenworth getting in on the action as well. Um Jose Ozokar, one for three. That's pretty cool. I think that, you know, the Jose Ozokar thing, man. I just, like, I can't get over how good he's been ever since they basically just started using him more regularly in the outfield. I think I've talked about this before, but I think Grisham, yes, he's a splendid defender. He gets the balls very, very quickly, uh, which isn't something we always realize when we're watching the telecast. But I have to say Grisham also has some moments where the ball bounces off his glove. It bounces off weirdly. That can be frustrating. More importantly, I just don't know if we're sure that, like, are we sure Jose Azokar isn't going to be a bad defender? I think he could be quite good. He's got the speed. Outfield jump, he's up there. Go check it on Savant. He's up there, like 85th percentile. He's up there. He certainly has the speed in the outfield that can play center, that makes up for any type of, if you want to argue that Trent Grisham is better as a defender, I would say to that, sure. But also, I don't know if we've seen enough of Jose Azokar. That's my thing. The bat is so, so bad with Trent Grisham. And by the way, for today's game, three out of four at-bats, strikeout. Why did I phrase it like that? 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Right? Like, that is what Trent Grisham is. It is so frustrating. Don't get me wrong. And I called this early in the year. And I remember some of y'all did not like it when I said it. I just thought he doesn't have it. Like this is this is bad. Every single at bat, it's either a home run or he's kind of like getting these a strikeout. What and he's looking at the strikeout too, by the way, caught looking, and he's um he's just hitting these slow ro- rollers to first base. Really poor at bats and. That's why, look, is Jose Azokar going to hit for the same power as Trent Grisham? No. But with the fact that Trent Grisham's hitting under 200, does it matter? Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Like, it doesn't matter when you're hitting that low. You could hit 25 home runs, but if you're hitting 190, I don't care. Because you're offsetting it. And Jose Azokar does not necessarily have a super amount of power. But he's got the speed, might have some good defense. And bottom line is he's just going to be a better at bat. Right. So I'm happy that the Padres, after so long, seem to have figured out to give their young studs or young prospects, I should say. Don't want to get too bullish on them now. Giving them a little bit of a chance. It is so annoying, especially with Azokar. What were you waiting for with Grisham? Campizano, I said it at the top of the pod. Maybe you're saying, ah, maybe we messed up. Nola is comfortable. They're comfortable pitching for him. And they really are the strength of the team. When it comes to how they're going to win. It's going to be great dynamic rotation. I get that. But why did you wait so long on Azokar? How many more wins do they potentially get? What if Azokar is like a... You know... um, I can't come up with a good player comp right now. For someone that might be like him. What if he's like a Brett Gardner? What if he's like a... 
uh, I don't know. I can't think of a good output value-wise what type of player he is. Maybe like a Michael A. Taylor? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy that they did it now. We also have to talk about Mike Clevenger, um, who I dragged on Twitter about a week ago that ever since he'd uh, made some comments about uh, Fernando Tatis, that he'd been really struggling. Um, In fact, in the second half, or not in the second half, but ever since Mike Clevenger made those comments about Tatis, let me just bring up his numbers really, really quickly. 6.15 ERA, 7.12 FIP, which was the worst of all qualified starters, by by the way, um, over the stretch since he called out Tatis. 2.41 home run per nine, giving up a lot of home runs, and a four strikeout to walk percentage, which was the worst in baseball. Well, maybe you saw that tweet because he had a pretty good performance. Five and two-thirds, only three hits, no earned runs, two walks, three Ks. Again, the lack of strikeouts is concerning. I'm not going to overreact to this start. It's a fine start, and they needed it for sure, uh, considering that they're in this wild card race, and this is a good team in the Cardinals. I know. I'll see myself out. But uh, don't get me wrong. I understand that they needed it. But still, uh, I think that Mike Clevenger, you've seen that he just doesn't seem to have the oomph, right? And while I appreciate it, while there are certainly plenty of other worse four and five starters in the league, we might even have one of them in Sean Manaya. I understand that. But zero whiffs across those pitches. Or I'm sorry, it wasn't zero whiffs. It was 12. Huh. Okay, he generated 12 over five innings. That's, that's not bad. I didn't realize that, especially on the fastball. Okay, I don't know why I thought he didn't generate any whiffs. Huh. Anyway. It's a nice, solid bounce-back start, but again, for those aforementioned reasons, he has not been very effective. I mean, guys, there are other pitchers like your... Like, think about that. Everybody likes making fun of Patrick Corbin and the Nationals. Mike Clevenger's been worse in some areas for a while now. So hopefully this is a sign of things to come. I don't know. But again, the biggest thing I can say in the favor of Mike Clevenger is, well, we've got the top three already. You know, and Clevenger, if he can just be a decent number four, that would be great. But I think that it says a lot that the later and the longer we've gone in the season, things have not gotten better. Maybe this is just the case of, I don't want to say Denelson Lamette, because Denelson Lamette straight up could not pitch. Mike Clevenger can at least pitch. He can go innings and whatnot. Lamette, it was just like, this guy is just done, right? I mean, he just got DFA'd. He's on the, uh, I don't even know. He got DFA'd by the Brewers immediately. And now he's on the Rockies. <laughs> the Rockies think that they could save him. No, no, they can't. You think the Rockies, that team? Name one pitcher besides Herman Marquez that's been good <laughs> for the Rockies. John Gray? Eh, a little bit, maybe. That's it. So, Denelson the Met, it's not, it might be one of the situations where the double surgery that Clevenger's had, like maybe he really did lose a step, right? And that it's been hard for him to come back. I'm curious to see how his free agency goes, to be honest with you. Because if I'm a team, not going to lie, even with everything I've said, you still kind of want to take a flyer on him, right? Just a little bit, you know? If he manages that control, maybe a whole offseason, if you're a team that knows how to develop pitching, i take a flyer on Mike Clevenger. You know, like, and here's the thing. If you see Tampa or San Francisco get him in the offseason, oh, I mean, not going to lie, everybody's going to be like, oh, he's going to be great. You know what I mean? Like, you just, you just trust those teams. But all this is a very long-winded way of saying, you know, uh, Mike Clevenger, four-starter, but be a lot worse especially for a team that man they need to get their bats going Soto needs to look like a star and the rest of the team needs to get going especially 
We focus a lot on Soto, but man, Josh Bell and Brandon Drury. Man, uh, Brandon Drury has about as many home runs as Josh Bell and Juan Soto combined. And nothing else. It is rough. It is really rough because those acquisitions is what made me excited about the Padres deadline. Um, because, as everybody knows, I am on the record. I did not think they had to trade for Juan Soto. I thought there were other routes to go. But let me tell you, I was really amped when I saw that they got Josh Bell and Brandon Drury. And for everybody who wants to say, oh, well, you know, we, we knew he was going to regress. Yeah, but was he going to regress this much? Josh Bell's been a very effective bat before. 37 home run season. I thought he had a little bit more in him, but I don't know. And again, if he wants to turn it on in the playoffs only, I would be more than happy. We got to make it there first. So come on. Come on, folks. Drury hitting some ground balls, double plays. And same thing with Bell. Oh, it's tough to watch. Maybe they can get it going against the Rockies. That's not a very good team. But we'll just have to stay tuned to find out, ladies and gentlemen. That's basically it for today's show. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking with Paul Holden of Locked On Rockies. Rockies. We're going to be talking about the upcoming series, everything that's been going wrong for the Rockies, etc. Maybe we'll catch up on how Lamette's been doing and talk about Chris Bryan and all these guys. You know, what's been going on with the Rockies? I'm very curious. So that should be a fun crossover. And then next week... Might be doing a White Sox crossover. And then, my boy, the, the villain himself, Jeff Snyder of Lockdown Dodgers. Going to be talking to him as well. Going to be a crossover-heavy uh, uh, series. And then we're going to be talking about playoffs and all that stuff. It's getting juicy, ladies and gentlemen. Believe me, it is getting juicy. I'm not just saying that. You know, the dog days of summer of August were a little bit rough for me. Maybe even a little bit of July. But man, oh man, we are right back on track. Right back on track. With that being all said, ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever, whatever, whatever. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, at L-O underscore Padres on Twitter, Lockdown Padres on YouTube, and until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.